Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. What's going on, friends in the room? Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Everybody joining us online, great to see you here on Labor Day weekend. Um, if, if you are new around here, my name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors uh, here at Revo. And um, if you didn't know, uh, Revo actually is uh, one church in multiple locations, multiple campuses uh, throughout the city, people joining us online um, from all over. But, uh, but this week was an especially tough week uh, for our Winston-Salem community um, as uh, we mourn the death of a student that was involved in a shooting at a, at a local high school um, this week. And, and our, our crew here at Revo, our team, mobilized on Wednesday in a few different ways. Uh, the first thing that we did uh, the day of the, the incident, our pastors and student ministry team, a lot of the volunteers that we have that serve in student ministry on all three campuses on Wednesday nights, we got together and uh, made our counseling services available to not only people here that call Revo Church home, uh, but also available to the city. Um, and started publishing that on social media, sending out uh, emails, and uh, man, just wanting to help people process through something uh, that is tragic as the events that were unfolding on a Wednesday. And so we were able to make our team and our resources available to people uh, immediately. By Thursday, the next morning at 7 a.m., we had resources available across all of our social media platforms that were designed to help parents of elementary, middle, and high school students learn how to deal with the anxiety and the fear and the grief um, that they were processing at the moment. Really, really proud of our team, uh, our kids' minister team, Josh and Amy and Amy across all three campuses, putting that together, making that available to people uh, and, and anybody that, that would want and need it. And, and I'll tell you that for, for two reasons. Number one, uh, to say thank you. Uh, because so many of you give generously week in and week out, and that allows our church to meet needs immediately when they come up. Um, sometimes those needs in our area are financial needs that we can meet, and sometimes they're human resources needs, where our church has a staff that is able to go out and, and help people meet them where they are and uh, offer, whether that's a conversation or counseling or next steps that they need to take, uh, in their life, wherever they are. And that would not be possible if people like you and people like you watching online didn't give generously week in and week out. So I wanted to say thank you. I, I don't even know if this week it crossed your mind of, I wish there was something I could do. I wish there was some way I could help. Little did you know that you were already doing that. Uh, you were helping us meet that need and helping our team mobilize our resources uh, in a really quick, timely fashion to meet the need as it arose. So I want to say thank you, but also I wanted to tell you that number two, because if you are here or watching online and you or your family, your kids, your neighbors, your friends are still struggling with the events that went on, we want you to know uh, that we're a resource for you. And it may not be today, maybe it's a week, maybe it's a month, maybe it's six months from now 
that people deal with life differently and on different timelines and different phases and stages. And so wherever you are right now or wherever your friends and family, they don't have to be on Team Revo or Team Jesus or any of that. Uh, we want to help them. We want to make ourselves available to them. Uh, as we did on Wednesday and Thursday, uh, if you or any of your family or friends uh, would just like a conversation, some counseling with one of our team members or some professional counselors here in the city, uh, please email us at prayer at discoverrevo.com, completely free. Uh, we're going to take care of that for you and, and for them. And uh, man, if there's just anything that we can do, um, we want to be a resource to you. If it's putting those grief resources into your hands for you to share with friends and family members, um, I just wanted to make sure you knew what we were doing essentially for the resources that you have at your disposal that we want to provide for you. So if there's a way that we can help, we want to do it. If there's a way that we can equip you to help wherever you live, work, study, play, eat, and shop, and impact the people that are around you, then that's what we want to do. Um, so please let us know. We're in your corner. We're praying with you. We're locking arms with various people in the community. And uh, man, just I'm thankful that God placed us here at a time like this uh, where we could meet needs as they come up. And uh, just wanted to thank you for your partnership um, with that. Continue to pray about that uh, as the city moves forward together. Um, we're going to talk about a story today that's a real turning point for the people of Israel. I don't know if you've had turning points in your life, uh, but these are points where something happens uh, and your life is no longer the same. Uh, it puts you on a totally different path. Maybe that's when you got married, right? Uh, because you, your life as a single man or woman goes this way, and then when you get married, it, it changes. <laughs> Uh, what you do, what you say, uh, how you spend your time and your money, all of that changes. That's a turning point. I can remember when, uh, when our daughters were born, my life changed. That was a turning point. Like it, it would never be the same once those two sweet little girls uh, arrived on the scene and they knew that they could get whatever they wanted from dad. Um, that, that changed the trajectory of it. Uh, ten years ago, it's hard to believe, but ten years ago, a group of 30 friends of mine moved to Winston-Salem. We didn't know anybody, had only been to the city one time. Uh, just because we felt like God was calling us here uh, to plant a church and to reach this area. And that, that put all of our lives and our future on a, a totally different track. Uh, it was a turning point for, for us. And I want to talk about a turning point. We're actually going to go back in the story as we close the book of Exodus to the moment where the Israelites received their freedom. They'd been in slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt for hundreds of years, but the text we're going to look at today and where we're going to land the plane and celebrate communion together is the moment, the day that they moved from being slaves in Egypt to now free people, able to walk out and do whatever they wanted and enjoy this new life that God has for them. The story starts in uh, Exodus chapter 11. You can remember back earlier in the series, we walked through these nine different plagues uh, that, that God had placed on Egypt, trying to get Pharaoh to soften his heart, to change his mind, to uh, release these slaves into, their, into freedom. Um, but each time Pharaoh had declined and said no. Well, God speaks to Moses and says, we're going to give Pharaoh one more chance. This will be the 10th plague. And in verse 1 it says, now the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. God says, there's one more plague, Moses, and this is it. This, this is the final one. This is your turning point. Because at the end of this, you will have your freedom. And 
God says, you're going to go to Pharaoh and this 10th plague is going to hit him and then the people will be not, not just given their freedom, he will push them out. He will rush you out. He will help you pack your bags and pay for the moving company to get you out of his country. And that's when you'll have your own freedom. So Moses goes up and tells Pharaoh, here's Pharaoh, here's your final shot, your final chance. In, in verse 4, so Moses said, this is what the Lord says, about midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. For the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, to the firstborn son of the female slave, who is at her mill hand, and, and the firstborn of the cattle as well. This plays in involved the firstborn son. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're influential or you're a nobody. It doesn't matter what color you are or what side of town you live on. From the Pharaoh's son, the second most important person in the entire country, to the slave servant who just had a baby that, that just does manual labor, all of it. It will sweep the entire country. Verse 6, there will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. God says the pain and the destruction will be so real that in the middle of the night, all you'll be able to hear is mothers crying. There'll be so many mothers crying that that's all you'll be able to hear across the whole country. He said it'll be grief that no one has ever seen before and grief that no one will have ever see after this as well. Verse 7, but among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. God says, here's the deal though, this 10th plague will affect the entire country, the entire country, the animals, the slaves, the, the, the rich, rich, powerful people in Pharaoh's palace, except the Israelites. No one will lose sleep in the Israelite camp. Not a single life will be taken amongst God's people during this plague. And at midnight, God said, every firstborn son will die. Any firstborn sons in here? Now, you're going to probably respond to that in two different ways. Some of you may hear that and say, it's about time. It's about time. God gave Pharaoh 10 chances. Do the right thing, Pharaoh. Nope. Do the right thing, Pharaoh. Nope. Do the right thing, Pharaoh. Nope. Do what I tell you to do, Pharaoh. Nope. Nine different times up until this point, Pharaoh rejected God. In fact, didn't just, didn't just say no to God, ridiculed God. Told Moses that God wasn't even real. And said, if there was a God, he's not as big of a God as I am. And so for some of you, you may be thinking, Pharaoh, I don't feel sorry for you, man. You're hard-headed. Ten different times God asked you to do the right thing. Ten different times he gave you grace and mercy and offered forgiveness, offered you a way out. Pharaoh, you could have avoided all of this, but you chose not to. So hey, bro, if that's the bed you want to make, then that's the bed you're going to lay in. You can't say that you didn't have a chance. You can't say God wasn't gracious towards you. You can't say that all of this could have been totally unavoidable. On the other hand, some of you may be thinking, man, this just doesn't sound right. I mean, that God would allow 
a bunch of firstborn sons to die, just like across the whole country, in one fell swoop, man, like that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem loving. Like, tell me, explain to this, like, how would a good, loving God allow something like this to happen? Like, I just, I don't, I don't understand that. And our responses go from either way. And I love the fact that this text addresses both of those responses. Makes it very clear, like, whether you fall on this side or, or this side of the issue, the, the, the answer that God provides in this is essential. But he, here's what he reminds Pharaoh of. Here's what he reminds Moses of and the people of. And here's what he reminds you and I of today. For, for the Israelites, for everyone, God gave them a chance to avoid all of it. Nine different times. Now ten different times. God gave Pharaoh an opportunity to avoid the hardship, to avoid the pain, to avoid the consequences of the decisions that he was making. All of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the heartache was completely avoidable. And what we learn from this is even though he gave Pharaoh multiple opportunities to do the right thing, Pharaoh made the decision to turn and disobey God, to turn and mock God, to ridicule Moses, to embarrass him in front of everyone. And here's what I want you to understand, like know this, know this, friends. Every decision that you and I make has consequences. Little decisions, big decisions, they all have consequences for us. Pharaoh had an opportunity, now 10 different times, to make the right decision, and he made the wrong decision. And after 10 different times of offering grace and offering him a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and a tenth chance, Pharaoh still didn't take God up on the opportunity. Still didn't do what he needed to do to avoid this entirely. And so we see a story of God being extremely gracious and extremely patient, kind, forgiving, loving, merciful, And Pharaoh chose to reject it. You and I have the same opportunity every day. We can take the gifts that God has given us and we can accept them and walk in the freedom that God has for us and realize the purpose. Or or we can listen to what he says through his word and we can just say, nah. Either way, every consequence, every decision we make has a consequence. In verse uh, 3 of chapter 12, we're going to see God's instructions for the Israelites. Because here's the deal. Like the Israelites were given an opportunity, just like Pharaoh was, to avoid the consequences of this plague. And here's what God told him in verse 3. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, then they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. If you're a family and you're just, it's just you and your wife, like obviously you don't need a whole lamb, like partner up with a neighbor, get together with a friend. Just make sure everyone has a seat at the table for this meal that we're going to share together. The, the animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then 
They are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boil it in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and eternal organs. What is going on here? Do not leave any of it until morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. And this is how are you to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, eat it in haste. Eat it in a hurry. As fast as you can, eat this meal. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. In the midst of death and destruction and pain and crying and despair, God looks at his people and said, I'm going to give you a way out. I'm going to show you a way that you can avoid all of this pain in your life. And just like God gave Pharaoh 10 chances, he's going to look at his people and say, I'm going to give you a chance to do what I tell you to do so that you can experience the freedom that I have for you. If Pharaoh had just done what I told him to do, he could have avoided this in his life, in the life of his family, and in all the lives of the people in Egypt. But he chose not to listen. And I want to remind you that every decision we make has a consequence. And so God places this decision. He says, I want you to put blood on the doorposts of the house above the top of the door and on the sides. And at midnight on that night, when the angel of death sweeps over Egypt, he will literally pass over the houses that have blood on the doorsteps when when the blood of the lamb was sacrificed and painted. And that's where we get the name Passover from. The, The angel of death passed over these houses and then swept through the rest of the the country. First thing that I want you to realize, this, this, this point about this story that brings it all to fruition when we take communion together is this. Uh, number one, freedom requires a sacrifice for us. God had a plan for his people to be free, but it would not come without a sacrifice. And we get that in America. Nobody gets that more than the people sitting in this room. We are Americans. We experience incredible freedoms that we know only come as a result of sacrifice. Men and women in all branches of our military have served for decades to ensure that we get to enjoy the freedoms that we have. And so if you're a a veteran or you're active military today, I want to say thank you. We enjoy the freedoms that we have because there is a sacrifice made on someone's part and on someone's behalf. So the freedoms that we have, this, this... concept doesn't come as unusual for us. Financial freedom requires sacrifice. You ever heard that? (laughs) Like, if you want to get out of debt, you're going to have to stop spending more money than you make. And you're going to have to have a budget, which is going to be uh, sacrificing things that you want to do or things that you wish you had. Like, it's going to impact every area. The car you drive, maybe where you live, the food that you eat. You ever listen to Dave Ramsey? 
He's like, hey man, if, if you want to get your finances in order, you're going to have to sacrifice some, and, and, which means like you're going to be eating beans and rice for dinner. Beans and rice on Monday night, and beans and rice on Tuesday night, and then Wednesday, when you're tired of eating beans and rice, you're going to switch it up and eat rice and beans those nights. But if you want to get out of debt and stop being a slave to your money, it's going to cost you something. It's going to involve sacrifice. You want financial freedom? It always comes with sacrifice. You want physical freedom? It comes with sacrifice. If you want to enjoy your life and have your health as you, as you age, man, you got to eat right, you got to diet and exercise, you got to take care of yourself. There's things you have to sacrifice in order for you to enjoy freedoms later on in your life. You got to take care of yourself. But there's always a cost for freedom. And God makes that clear here. For your freedom, something will be sacrificed. But it's not just about what is sacrificed for us that is so remarkable about this story. Number one, our freedom requires that a sacrifice be made for us. But number two, our freedom requires obedience from us. Did you catch all the weird details in this story? Here's how God unpacks it. He says, I, I want to tell you on that night the meal that you're going to eat. And not only the meal that you're going to eat, I'm going to tell you how to prepare it. You're not going to put it in the oven. This is not going to be fried lamb chops. You're going to cook it over an open fire. And he goes a step further and he says, I'm going to tell you uh, what time you're going to eat it. It's going to be twilight on that night. Oh, and by the way, I need for you to dress a certain way when you eat this meal. And he lays out the dress code for this. And then, and then he says, heads up, there's going to be no doggy bags, okay? There will be no leftovers for the meal. I don't care how good it is. You're not going to take it and save it for tomorrow. At the end of the meal, the leftovers are going to be thrown into the fire and burned up. And there's a special recipe for the bread that I want you to follow. And, and if you dig down into this chapter, you realize there was meaning and significance behind every layer of the details for this. But, but, but consider this. What would have happened... If one of the Israelites had said, I don't think I'm going to do that. You know, I, what a hassle to go out there and, did he say take blood and paint the outside of your door with it? That is gross. Man, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm all for a lamb dinner, but I am not painting the outside of that door with blood. There is no way that I don't have the time for that. It doesn't make sense to me, first of all. And so I don't do stuff that doesn't make sense to me. What would have happened if they didn't do what God told them to do? Well, the scripture is clear. Then they wouldn't have gotten the freedom that God promised them. Why? Because our freedom always comes from obedience from us. So here's what God did. He gave the sacrifice and all of the lambs were, were slain on that night. And God calls them to obedience to do what he told them to do. And even Pharaoh's son died that night because Pharaoh did not do what God called him to do. And whatever God said to Moses is exactly what happened on that night at around midnight, the angel of death swept over the entire country. And as the scriptures say, it even killed Pharaoh's firstborn son. And the wailing and the screaming and the pain was so intense that even in the middle of the night, at midnight, Pharaoh wakes up and he runs to Moses and he gives him these instructions. Exactly what God told him would happen happens in verse 31. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, 
Leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you had requested. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said and go and also bless me. Can you imagine the pain that he was going through? He didn't even wait until the morning. Got up in the middle of the night and ran to Moses and said, get out. Leave. I don't, like... Right now, don't wait until tomorrow. Don't like just whatever you need to get out of this country, you need to do it now. Take all your people, take all your animals, take all your possessions, just get out of my face. And then he asked him, he says, And on your way out, bless me, because he knew that God was real at that moment because he had spared the Israelites because of the sacrifice and the obedience. The freedom that is told in this story is actually a a foreshadowing of something to come. Uh, Because this story would be retold by Jewish families for approximately 1,400 years. The Passover was a festival. This meal described in this text was a meal that families celebrated together every year for 1,400 years, remembering the time that for the first time the people of Israel had their freedom. That after almost 430 years of slavery in Egypt. In the blink of an eye, the turning point happened when Pharaoh rushed in the door and said, get out. You're free. Go. And for the first time in generations, the Israelites experienced freedom as they walked out of Egypt and walked into the plan that God had given him. 1,400 years every year that meal was shared amongst Jewish families until... One day, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus sits down to share this Passover meal with his disciples. It was what Jews did every year. They go to Jerusalem and celebrate this. They remember the time when God gave freedom through a sacrifice and through the obedience of people. And in Luke chapter 22, we read the story of where Jesus took this meal and celebrated it for the very last time. In verse 14, it says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. For 1,400 years, they've been eating this meal. But Jesus said, but this will be the last time. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And he gave to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You talk about a turning point. For 1,400 years, these people sat down for the Passover meal, and they looked backwards at what God had done. And for the first time in 1,400 years, Jesus said, from here on out, this meal will be about looking forward to what I'm going to do. Looking forward, because in just a few hours, Jesus would be arrested, he would be beaten, he would be mocked, he would be ridiculed, he would be spit on, he would have a crown of thorns jammed on his head, and he would be crucified on a cross. Why? For a sacrifice for you and for me. Because God said, see, your freedom today always involves a sacrifice. 
And just like the blood was painted on the wooden doorposts of people's home, which then allowed death and despair to pass over those people, the blood that Jesus shed on the wooden cross would stand as a symbol for your and my freedom. Like that we can find that freedom under the blood that Jesus spilt on the cross for us, the sacrifice that had been given. Why? Because our freedom always requires a sacrifice. But what about the obedience part? Does our freedom still require obedience for us today? Because that sounds a little bit like religion. That sounds like we're having to jump through hoops and earn our salvation from God. Now, here's what it means. In, in Romans chapter 10, Paul says, this is what obedience Means. This is what it means for you to experience freedom that God has given you. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. God says, that's it. You want to know what obedience looks like? You want to know what you need to do? to enjoy the freedom that God has given you, just believe. Just accept the gift. Obedience, according to Paul here, was confession and belief. If you believe in your heart that you know this is who Jesus is and that his blood would pay for your sins on that cross, and you confess that with your mouth, then that's it. That's the step of obedience. That's what God is calling us to today. As we transition now to a time where we're going to think about this meal and remember it, not as something that happened with Moses, but as something that Jesus did, I just want to give you a, a minute to just take a step back and reflect. Do you really understand the sacrifice that it took for you and I to have the freedoms that we enjoy today? the freedom of eternal life, the freedom of hope and of purpose, even in a land that is riddled with despair and darkness. That freedom took a sacrifice and it happened with Jesus on the cross. And have you ever taken a moment to wrestle with what your next step of obedience may look like? Because all of us have one. Maybe it's your first step that today would be the first time that you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart on what he has done for you, that, it, that radically changes your life. Maybe that's you. But, but maybe you're like the people of Israel here where God says it's a new day and I'm calling you to a new level of obedience, something today to say yes to. Today's not an accident. Today's not a throwaway day. God has a plan for your life today. He's got a next step for you to take today. Would you just take a few minutes and say, all right, God, what's my next step of obedience? What does it look like for me to say yes to you again today to continue to walk in faith. God, thank you for the sacrifice of your son. Thank you for bringing the story full circle that the atonement that we find in this moment connects generations and thousands of years where people were looking forward to freedom one day, having a real relationship with you and that reality for us is now. God, thank you. Thank you for that sacrifice and for the freedom that we get to enjoy today. Ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, 
or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.